All right, welcome back to the Saturday show. I'm not sure what Adrian was going to get. He's I'm like, just wandering around. Okay, fair enough. Thanks again for joining us on the Gotta Saturday get up, show. Get his legs stretched. It's holiday weekend. It is. Thanks for joining us on this on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch. He's Adrian Lyons. We got Talon Chapel behind the glass. We usually get the grumpy Talon at this time of day, but he's been in a pretty good mood. Yeah, it's a long day. Saturday shifts for the morning producer on Saturdays. Uh-huh. It's a long day. Uh, we've all done it. Yes. For when I first started doing Saturdays, like it was really hard, but I think I've gotten used to it at this point. Yeah. And getting up to to tech and produce your show a couple times is also we've entered we've entered dj and pk's remote season golf yes. tournament season <laughs> hang out a lot of bunch i've of been eating courses. a lot of chick-fil-a biscuits lately <laughs> i hear that I, how's the i heard you got roasted on french toast once again the other day is that right uh every, yeah every i was not even that's barley. that's the funny thing is i'm not even i'm not even there anymore and, and i'm still getting gay. roasted yes i'm actually seeing like <laughs> tweets and stuff about it too talent you're i'm be- i'm becoming twitter famous for your marley's toast I'm, prowess i'm waiting uh for you know, to become your next spokesperson. <laughs> okay, there you go. I like that. Work it. Yes, use that to your advantage. Oh, Marlowe's is amazing. Though. It is great. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to hear from John Beck here, of course, the former BYU quarterback. He now trains quarterbacks for the NFL, also collegiate quarterbacks as part of a group 3DQB down there in Southern California. Uh, BYU quarterback Zach Wilson is going to work with him, has been working with him. Also, Jack Tuttle, the former Utah quarterback, has also worked with him in the past as well. But, of course, John Beck, one of the most insightful interviews I've heard in my time in the media. So here you go. He was with DJ and PK earlier this week right here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ, PK, and we are joined by John Beck, former BYU quarterback, now a trainer at 3DQB. He's working with Zach Wilson this summer. John, good morning. Good morning, guys. I hear you guys are out at a golf tournament. Putts for Patriots, 2019 golf tournament, the Lynx at Sleepy Ridge in Orem. And the weather's holding, so so that's good. Uh, Were your ears burning? Because we were talking about you. Your name came up already. No, you know what it was? I I got a buddy of mine that's there at the golf tournament, and he texted me and was like, hey, are you coming on the radio? Because I'm at this golf tournament, and they say you're coming up in a little bit. So that's how I knew you guys were down there. Yes, but sadly, you are on the Sprint Special Guest Line. You are not here in person. John comes to us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. You came up because we were discussing all the, uh, <clears throat> all the excitement. BYU had a freshman quarterback who showed pretty well. People are geared, open, geared up, hoping the sophomore year is even better. And PK pointed out that the last couple of guys who've shown something as a freshman haven't really progressed the way people wanted and hoped. And we were thinking about a freshman who did play and progress the way people wanted and hoped. And it was you. By the time you were a senior, uh, you guys were piling up 11 wins and nationally ranked, and everybody was all sorts of fired up. How long a path is it from looking good as a freshman to really being what everybody, from the player to the coaches to the fans, want them to be? Well, I don't know what it is like to look good as a freshman. I know what it's like to play as a freshman, but my experience <laughs> as a freshman was much different from uh, Zach's experience as a freshman. But I mean, but I will tell you this: I know what it's like to go into your sophomore year having had some games under your belt. Um, you know, I didn't get to play in as many games as Zach did, or finish quite the way that he did. I'm sure he's just got a ton of confidence going into this year. But when you play that freshman year, um, you know, and I think the experience that freshmen have nowadays, I think they're, they're, they're better prepared on the type of offense that they have going into college. But 
I just remember a feeling of like, okay, I've done this before. Like, I've played in games. There's so many things now that aren't first times, right? Like, Zach's played in the Holy War. There's no more first time ever playing in it. Zach's played in a bowl game. Zach's played, uh, he's played on the road. He's had to be behind in games at home. He's been ahead in home. He's been in all these situations in the position he's going to be in this next year. So there's that bit of confidence you have, like, okay, I've been here, I've done it, and now I'm progressing. And I think during that sophomore year, you you still have to go through growing pains because you're still a young player. But if you have the right mindset and you kind of recognize, look, all these growing pains that I go through, they are going to benefit me so much for every game that's in front of me. And there's a lot of football in front of me. I think that's where the good part happens during that sophomore year. I anticipate him having some really good games. And I also anticipate probably having some drives or some series where, hey, yeah, that's I'm still learning how to be a really, really good quarterback. I think in the case of Jake Heaps, not so much as Tanner Mangum, those are the two guys who played after U.S. freshman and then hype built, and they, they didn't have an opportunity to fulfill that hype, whereas maybe you didn't have as much hype as a freshman, but by the senior year, you certainly fulfilled uh, when we had one of the greatest seasons BYU quarterbacks have ever had. So I wanted to ask you about, as far as a freshman, because I think Jake Heaps struggled with that a little bit, when it gets into the locker room and it gets into the huddle and it gets into far as far as being the leadership aspect, because you're a younger guy, uh, and sp- particularly in the case of Heaps, who didn't serve a mission, it's the same thing with Wilson. So you're even younger, and you did, so you were a couple years older. How does that dynamic play out when a kid 18, 19 years old is supposed to be a leader with guys who, in many cases, are 22, 23, 24, or may even be married and have kids? Yeah, I can imagine that that would be really hard. You know, that's an experience that, I'm unfamiliar with. I only spent a summer up on BYU's campus working out with the football team before I went on my mission. You know, and I've thought about that at times. I've thought about, you know, seeing Zach out there and I'm helping Zach and being like, you know, that's the position that Zach was in when he was playing this football season. I look at guys like like Jake, who didn't serve a mission but came in. That would be hard, um, especially with the expectation that he had. You know, he was, I think, the number one rated quarterback recruit that year in the country. He steps onto a campus. Uh, there's everybody kind of is like having him under a microscope, everything that he does. Everybody's probably feeling like if this guy is our guy, how is he going to respond? And then there's this big thing like, well, the expectation is so big. When Tanner came home, you know, he wasn't doing it as an 18-year-old, but instantly you throw a Hail Mary against Nebraska and then the game against Boise, it's like instantly there's this expectation like, wow, this guy can do wonders and he's always going to be that. But that's a hard thing where – initially right out of the gate there's a feeling of like well he's always going to do great or he's going to pull it off no matter what you know a an eye that was watching especially like the Boise game I remember watching the Boise game that Boise game was played like a freshman right like it was it, there was a lot of things going on in that game and BYU stayed in the game because of some scramble chuck it down the field type plays it wasn't a game where when you see a veteran quarterback play they usually play differently um, in a game. So it's hard because the way that it was being played didn't align with the outcome because they won in a dramatic fashion. But it wasn't like that was the consistent thing throughout the game. So then there's this expectation that you have to live up to. Uh, and that's hard. And I, I've thought about those guys a lot as I've you know worked with Zach. I think, I think there's a different thing though happening. And I saw it with Jake Heaps and with Tanner and you know now with Zach is 
the type of instruction that these kids receive coming out of high school now, uh, you know, the offenses that they run, they, they, they throw the ball so much. They're, they're really well prepared for the transition. But that doesn't mean that they're just going to be able to step in and play great right away. But for the majority of the people outside of the program watching, they kind of expect that now. You know, they just kind of expect somebody's going to step in and they can just do it. But that's, it's a really hard thing to do. John Beck joining us. So when you're working with him in the summer, are you working more on physical stuff, mechanics, footwork, you know, arm, all the, you know, the arm's got to be in the right slot, blah, blah, blah. Or are you working with him on more mental and scheme stuff, reads, how to, how to help throw guys open and all that kind of stuff? No, we stay away from the reads. That's something that is taken you know, care of with their coordinators and their quarterback coaches. Basically look at it this way. Once they've made the decision to throw the ball, that's where we step in. It's, it's the patterns of movement that they're using to deliver the football. It's the efficiency at which their body is working. So on the physical side, we make sure that their body is trained in a way and can perform in a way to do the movements that they need to do to be most efficient. And then when they're doing those movements, is their brain to body, is that are those links working how they're supposed to be? And are they able to do that repeatedly? Like, because you have to be able to repeat it. And to do something repeatedly, especially in the chaos of quarterback, it's really hard. So you have to fine-tune all of those things. And you have to be very deliberate when you practice. So to have a set of eyes watching all of those movements and building those patterns, that's us. So this year will be a little bit different. In the past, when I worked with Zach, we weren't ever having to kind of come off of a surgery or anything like that. So this year's going to be a little different because we need to find out where he's at. We also need to be wise with what we do and manage things the right way because what we don't want to do is we don't want to try to, you know, push him at the beginning of July when it's not about having him ready for July. It's about having him ready for week one for the season. So that's where it's going to be a little different. But everything is about the mechanics, the patterns, and the efficiency of the movements to throw the football. How much did you find, John, when you played that in the beginning maybe people didn't know that much about you, but as you progressed, teams had film on you, so they were literally scheming to take away what you do best, and what kind of challenge is that going to face for a kid like Zach? Well, I think everybody, when defensive teams are playing against established players that have a lot of tape on them, they, it, you know, it's easy to see, okay, what's this team doing? What is this guy good at? You know, a lot of people try to take the Bill Belichick approach, which I think is the best approach in football defensively. It's how are you beating people? What's the main ways that you're winning? And we're going to do everything we can to stop that. And we're going to make you beat us with what you usually don't beat people with. And, you know, that's what teams are going to do, right? Zach still is a young player. I think there's still a lot for Zach to show. The great thing about him is he's an exceptional athlete. He's really, really hungry when it comes to football. So he's going to be able to adapt. I think that's what separates the really, really good quarterbacks. When I look at especially the guys in the NFL, they have a, like enough experience, enough knowledge, and they have the ability to adapt week to week and within games. So the way that a guy like Drew Brees is beating you, you can find some similar patterns week to week, but you're also going to find these little nuances. And that's the game plan that Sean Payton puts together and, you know, BYU is going to have to do that a little bit. They, they adapted a little bit last year when they turned over to Zach and they kind of said, okay, we're going to play a few games one way and then we're going to kind of try to adapt some things to him. What's going to happen is he's going to hit his stride for a couple games and things are going to look good. And then all of a sudden a team is going to come out and they're going to do everything they can to stop that. And this is where 
his growth and maturation happen. I remember a game my sophomore year. I'd come out of a few good games as a player, and I went into this game against the University of Wyoming. And they weren't supposed to be anything special. They were just an okay team. But I felt really good about where I was at as a player, and I wanted to take that next step in preparation. So I really prepared as best I could, and I felt great going in. I was fully prepared to face everything that this team has shown on tape, and I had answers for all the things that we were going to do offensively for what I saw them do defensively. Well, all of a sudden we get into the game, and they did everything but what I had prepared for on tape. And I did not play a great game, partially because this was a learning experience for me. Like You always have to have in your back pocket the ability to adapt if the defense gives you something that you are not totally prepared for and that's where experience comes into play and we'll probably see that a little bit here there and you know really it's it's Zach's maturation process that's going to really help with that it's how adaptable can he be and the growth within that adaptability how quickly does it happen you know no matter how good the quarterback is it's still a team game and they got to have players around him and you know Brandon Doman's been on our show before and said I loved having Luke Staley back there that was awesome and so I'm curious, uh, you know, with your position and talking to ex-players, and you got ex-players who are coaches now, get these grad transfer running backs coming in. Do you know much about them and the quality of talent that's, that's going to be around, Zach? You know, uh, I, me personally, I don't. If you're asking if, uh, if I take that into consideration, that's kind of not the thing that I do. When we talk to the player, we definitely talk to them about, like, you know, kind of the way that they may utilize a certain ball for a certain type of player. If this player has this ability and you are trying to make this type of throw, here's what we need you to do. I think the interesting thing about, you know, nowadays is where you can get these grad transfers. It kind of reminds me of a Russell Wilson situation. I remember when when Russell Wilson transferred to Wisconsin, you kind of wondered, okay, what's this going to be like? And the guy just played off the charts um, initially when he got there. And I always wondered what that would be like to just, have so many new pieces in the NFL that, that that's difficult because sometimes that happens week to week because of the limited numbers on teams. Sometimes you have to insert a guy the week of the game that you've never played with before. My rookie year, Ricky Williams came off a of suspension. We were really short on running backs and on a Monday night game in Pittsburgh, I'm handing the ball off to Ricky and I just met Ricky on Tuesday. So it is hard at times on a quarterback and you're definitely right. It's a team game. There's a, a quote that Drew Brees always would say when I was with him and he says, you know, there's no position in sports um, where the team relies on more than the quarterback. But there's also no position in sports that relies so much on his team than the quarterback. And it, it really truly is that unique thing of that position where it goes both ways. And Zach's going to need help. He's going to need a solid offensive line in front of him. He's very athletic, but I don't care how athletic you are. If you aren't given time on certain plays, you can't just make them work because you're an athlete. A run game and a defense are a quarterback's best friends. A lot of times people ask me, what was the difference between your junior and senior year? Why was the team so much better? Why did you guys do this, this, and this offensively? Well, offensively, we were able to score a few more points a game. But defensively, we were a completely different team from my junior year to my senior year. And look at the impact that it had on the win-loss record. So also, Zach is going to need a good defense. That's what a lot of those things go into a quarterback's ability to win football games. It's not just the ability of that man to win. It's the ability of the team with that man in the position to quarterback. Did you ever find out, John, why Tuttle didn't want to stick around at Utah? Yeah, I we I trained Zach. I mean, sorry, uh, Jack. I trained Jack um, in the offseason. He comes and trains with us, but that's kind of an issue that uh, you know he kept to himself. He only shared with immediate family and some of us, and it was just kind of one of those things. Like it's just done. He's moving on. He. I was just actually with him just a couple weeks ago. 
Um, he's excited to be at Indiana. That's actually his family's alma mater. So, you know, he's a great, he's, he's a great kid. It's, uh, it's unfortunate what happened because I think he's a heck of a football player and a heck of a, a person. Um, but it's kind of one of those things like him, his family, everybody, they just, it's done and everything's moving on. So now you can go back to hating Utah. You don't have to be conflicted then, right? <laughs> yeah, he used to always <laughs> joke around like that, like, John, I really want to know. When that BYU-Utah game happens, if I'm quarterbacking, I really want to know, are you going to be able to root for me? <laughs> yeah. I've never hated Utah, just so everybody knows. I do. I think it's hilarious what Max said. I tease him about it sometimes. I think it's, you know, it made a cool thing for the rivalry, even though I'm sure you fans hate it and there's some BYU fans that wish you wouldn't have said it. At the end of the day, like, we can all laugh about it. It was a funny thing that happened, but, like, I mean, I tell people all the time, uh, I think the university is a great university. I have a lot of friends that played there. I have, you know, my, I have family members. My grandma was in the U marching band. <laughs> so, you know, it was a great rivalry. I absolutely love the rivalry. I'm so excited for the first game of the season. I can't remember a time when they've ever just kicked off the season like that. I'd love to be in the stadium. If I didn't have my own son's Pop Warner game that day, I would absolutely love to just feel the feeling in that stadium that day because I just saw Anthem Sports came out and had University of Utah ranked in the top 15 in the country. So what an exciting atmosphere it's going to be, that Utah's going to be there. It's going to be a big game to kick off the season. You have that in-state rivalry. You know, my friend that's at that golf tournament, he tells me all the time, John, it is killing me that I live up in Salt Lake, and I just I deal with this because of the losses that have happened. It's just, but that makes it, that, but that makes it exciting, you know. So what, what, what a cool start to the college football season that both teams get to kick it off against each other. Well, what we're talking about is Wilson the Bushman, huh? Replacing Beck to Harleen. <laughs> there, yeah. You know what, Matt? He's a pretty special player. I've been really impressed with the way that he's played, and I know Zach probably has to love to have a guy like that that he can count on. I was very fortunate when I played there. I had guys like Johnny, like uh, Curtis Brown, like Nate. Like I mean, I like like list goes on of guys that I had that I could depend on and. You know, if you want to play good ball, you got to have guys like that. You got to have guys that you can just in tight coverage put the ball up and just trust that they're going to come down with it. John, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you're welcome. You guys have a good day over there. There you go, John. Back on with DJ and PK. A lot of interesting stuff about training Zach Wilson and uh, what he expects out of the young quarterback his sophomore year. Yeah, he says it's going to be a different uh, summer working with him this year because he is coming off that shoulder surgery, and he's got to kind of like, morph how he trains him because he can't do some of the physical stuff they would like to do, throwing the ball and whatnot, because he's still three-ish weeks away from being full go, mm-hmm. and once he's full go, they'll be able to do, ramp it up a little bit more. But it is interesting. You, you heard, you heard uh, John say, yeah, I know what it's like to play as a freshman quarterback. I don't know what it's like to be as a, good as a freshman quarterback. And not off a mission. Yeah, exactly. So, so interesting stuff. One thing yeah. I found, he, what he said, they asked him about the reads and stuff. He said, oh, no, I just leave that up to the coaches. I, kind of, I find that good of a – if you're going to be liked as a college, uh, like a off-season coach mm-hmm. – you, if you're like Kalani, you want to hear that from John. Well, yeah, don't meddle. Don't meddle. Yeah, just teach him the mechanics, and we'll we'll worry about the offense and stuff. Well, so, interesting. Because yeah, John could be like, "Hey, here's what you want to do with these hot right. routes, and whatnot." But yeah. 
Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick at BYU, they have their own way about going about it. So he's just working on the physical aspects of the game, the throwing, making sure routes are on time and whatnot. He's not going to worry about the mental aspects. He'll let the coaches actually handle it. Exactly. All right, coming up on the other side, we're going to continue this college football conversation. We're going to talk about what each school, how many wins do we think they're going to get and uh, what may cause them to fall short of some expectations. We'll talk about that next here on the Saturday Show. Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Adrian Lizer here, Jay Katz there, Talon Chapel over there. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at AP Lizer. He's at TJAP Zone and he is at Jacob C. Hatch. Uh, we just heard from John Beck. We've heard from Dennis Dodd earlier. Uh, let's get into a little way too early predicting, uh, or not predicting, but we'll call them guesses. I actually kind of hate guessing in, or predicting entire seasons. Yeah. especially early i like to predict week to week because we learn so much about a football team every week and you, you never do. know yeah. or like when someone's like you said they'll beat this team you're an idiot well i'm like well the starting quarterback and the running back went down what do you want from me <laughs> but you never know so it's but true. we're just having we'll just have some fun with it okay and uh and we'll also talk about what we think may stand in the way of some of these teams or what? Uh, what has a little us a little concerned? Maybe I don't know concerned, but things that could crop up. But let's start up. Let's start up in Logan, Jake, and uh, Talon will get in on this as well. They've got coming off a their best season ever, probably. They've got a star quarterback coming back, but they have a lot of overhaul on the roster and a brand new coaching staff, including offensive coordinator. Who this I believe is his first. D one job offensive Mike Sanford? Court. Yeah. No, he's been he's been in multiple places. Oh, has he? Oh, sorry. He about comes that. from West, Western Kentucky, where he was the head coach the last two years. Oh, so. okay. Well, and I spoke way out of turn there. I he's apologize, got, Mike. He's got some good experience and he he's got but he's got a tough task ahead of him. Yes, he does. Because you have to replace David Yost, who put it one of the most prolific offenses on the field in all of college football last yep. year. And um if Jordan Love doesn't have the season that he may have had last year, then people are gonna point the finger right they there will. at the coaching staff so it'll be really interesting gary anderson yeah. returns to the school mm-hmm. their conference schedule is tougher than it yes. was last year mm-hmm. they've got their non-conference are wake forest to start the year they've got lsu in uh, tiger stadium and they've also got byu at home where do you feel how many wins are you thinking out of this team and what do you think maybe comes up and stop them i i'm thinking about I'm going to give them nine wins. That's my number. Okay. I think it's going to be – I'm going to – sorry, I don't think they're going to go in and beat LSU. <laughs> okay. Um, and um, I, that Wake Forest game will be interesting. I think that's a winnable P5 game for uh, Utah State because Wake Forest isn't necessarily as good, but they are in the ACC. They are in the ACC. They're in the P5 league, so sometimes the talent there is a little bigger. So we'll see what happens. They've got – uh, San Diego State should be interesting, and BYU should be interesting. Uh-huh. I'm going to put them at nine. Not sure how the offense is going to look, but I assume they're still going to have some success. Yeah, I look at what Utah State's got going. I know a lot of the expectations are going to be high after an 11 win season a year ago. I think your pick of nine there is actually pretty good, Adrian. Wake Forest to me is actually a sneaky, um, difficult matchup. I think what Wake Forest is building right now, doing some great things. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they're not they're not they're not a preeminent power in the ACC by any means, but it's a road game nonetheless, and it'll be tough there at San Diego State. 
State. They'll be trying to bounce back from a lackluster season a year ago. Uh, LSU, of course, tough. Air Force on the road can always be an interesting one. But Dropped then, that game two years ago. But then late in the season here, this is where it gets really interesting. Their mm-hmm. November slate is what scares me about Utah State because you have BYU on November 2nd. You have to step away from conference play to start November. Then you're at Fresno State, the reigning Mountain West Conference champions Mm -hmm. who I know they lost their quarterback, but Jeff Tedford has done a yeoman's job rebuilding that program on the fly. Wyoming's always pretty tough. Craig Bulge has a tough team. They come to Logan. And then you finish up with Boise State at New Mexico. So I think that three, so BYU at Fresno and then uh, versus Wyoming versus Boise State. Those four games are the key to what Utah State's trying to do this season. I'm with you. I think an 8-9 win season is kind of where I'm targeting them mm-hmm. to end up. But if you have any sort of injury affect your team in that stretch right there, you could fall off real quick, I feel like. Yeah, and the I mean, if you say maybe they if we just say they lose their P5 games at Wake Forest and at LSU, that leaves 10 games. That uh, leaves 10 yeah. games. You're saying they're going to go Eight lossless yeah, it's in tough. conference it's and tough. beat BYU to get to 10 wins, I think that's going to be tough. So 8-9, I think it would be a good year out of Utah State. They would say, people would argue that would be a step back, but they've got a tougher schedule. They do. Yep. There's no doubt about Talon, it. Talon, what about you? What do you think of Utah State? I think 9-2, but I like you uh, You guys were talking about it earlier in the week on uh, Tony and Austin, uh, how the ceiling doesn't necessarily match the expectation. Mm-hmm. Uh I, so I'm gonna say nine wins. That's what I think they'll get. But I think they have the. I think I could see them being a 10, 11 win team again. And it's and you just broke down the schedule, and I agree that's very tough. But uh, to me, the big question is with some of the playmakers they lost, and like Darwin Thompson and uh, Ron Quavian, Tarver. yeah, and Dax Raymond. Dax Raymond. That's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah, um, the whole O line. Jalen Green as yeah. well. Yeah. Like. And th- and that made it so much easier for Jordan Love because exactly. he just had he could just fling it wherever he wanted on the field, yeah. and it just made it so easy because he had a playmaker so- at so many different areas of the field. So um, if they're able to just be, they don't even I don't even think they have to have like quite as much talent, but if they can just get cl- close to that amount of talent and be able to spread it out and give Jordan enough time to find the weapons like that, uh, I think they they're gonna contend for a for a Mountain West Conference title and it should be really fun to see that uh if they can put on the run like they did last year and with Boise State coming to Logan this year if they can uh find a way to knock them off and win that uh Mountain Division definitely all right uh Utah they uh open with BYU then NIU Idaho State big one against USC on the road um the pick for the South Championship down there in uh in the Pac-12 Pick to return to the Pac-12 title game. Um, where do you stand on the Utes, Jake? I, th- I think they've got a. I think. I mean, I don't think much of what the South has coming back. Yeah. So I think they should be able to roll. I don't. I. I mean, Arizona State's been there. It's been tough on them, obviously. But I, I look at their non-conference. They've got eight in a row against BYU. So I kind of got to pick them again until they lose. That's kind of how I feel about it. Even if this may be one of the best chances BYU's ever had to, you know, <laughs> stop the streak is what we hear every single year. But until they beat them, I got to pick the Utes. Yeah. And at USC, I think they'll be a better team than USC. And then there's a couple interesting games: uh, Cal, Arizona State, Washington. That three-game stretch there. But I'm thinking nine wins out of this Utah team, nine ten, and going back to the Pac-12 title game. 
I like how Utah's schedule lays out for them. Yeah, I totally just agree. By, just in terms of when you have your key matchups. And the trickiest for me, actually, Adrian, and this is just uh, me looking at it, is you have a Friday date to open Pac-12 play at USC on September 20th, and then the next week you come back home and face off against Washington State here at Rice-Eccles Stadium. We all know that Washington State's replacing their quarterback, so that's going to be an interesting thing, but we all know what the Cougars bring, and they're going to fling the ball all over the yep. yard, so I think that th- those two back-to-back games also said you that you said that three-game stretch of Arizona State, Cal, Washington. I think the way Utah's schedule lays out fits very well with picking them to be a favorite in the Pac-12 South. I'm expecting them to win the South. I don't think they do it with less than two losses. Right. I think it's still going to be like a six and two record for them okay. in the conference because uh, they're still they're still tough matches. This is right. the Power yeah. Five level. Any team on any given week can get, jump up and bite you. I feel like UCLA is going to show some things this year, and when you face off against them late in the season in November, they might if they, if they haven't crumbled at that point, they could very much be finding their legs mm-hmm. under Chip Kelly. Uh, but in terms of where, yeah, you have Washington in early November, you have USC in mid-September, where your key matchups lie for Utah, there's not a really stretch of this season, kind of similar to what I said about Utah State, where you look at it and say, Man, that three or four game stretch right there could really either help or hurt them. Yeah, I feel like Utah—they very much laid it out very nicely this year. And uh, a couple things that maybe concern me: special teams replacing all that well, weaponry that they had as special teams, and having your presumed starting kicker step yep. aside. So that's going to be interesting. And uh, if you listen to guys like Hans Olsen, that O line is might struggle. Early and, on, unless yeah. they figure something out how to get some guys in, and if you're not giving Zach Moss a way to run. I don't know about putting, you know, you need him to be your your yeah. your bell cow to get that get you to wins because he's that good. You got to be able to run the ball. I'm going to peg Utah with ten wins. Okay. My expectation nine ten. I'm you're at ten. I'm around nine and nine point five. Okay, uh, talent. The other day when this question was poised to me, I said nine. But the more I'm looking over the schedule, and I I'm actually going to bump it up to ten, just because the what Jake just mentioned, how the schedule not only is the schedule advantageous in terms of what teams you're playing, but as you mentioned, uh, you you just don't have a really gnarly stretch yeah. anywhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think that I I do think yeah, if they were to get to ten, uh, or I think it'd be like seven and two in conference. Well, if you're going to um, if you're going to win the conference, you've got to win 9 or 10 games oh, at yeah. minimum. Yeah. yeah. And so I think I think they go 7 and 2 in conference okay. um and uh I actually th- the I think the Washington State game they'll handle at home. Uh to me the losses would be at Washington and then the one that like that would scare me if I'm a Utah fan is uh, at Arizona. They okay. ju- they seem to struggle with the Wildcats, and we don't know you know if Khalil Tate is able to have a bounce back season. Yeah. They usually struggle down in Tucson, so that could be one to watch out for. Uh, and you know this is all just assuming everything stays healthy. I think uh, at, you brought up a good point, Adrian, with the offensive line not. We're not sure how that's going to look, but the way the defensive line is set up, that they may not have to score 35 points a game to win if the defense is able to have a good role like they've had in recent years. So mm-hmm. I, I'm i suddenly feeling a little more up on the Utes than I had than I was a few days ago thinking about it. They've got the hype, so if they've got a lot of returning talent, I think it would be a shame if they didn't really put themselves in a position to uh to win the south and get back yeah. to that title game all right byu is an interesting one jake yes obviously with the schedule is much talked about this team is much talked about because 
there's a lot of excitement with the quarterback, especially that's just what happens in college football. If you have a good quarterback, a lot of hype comes around your team. Yeah. Um, when I look at this schedule, it's a tough schedule. I'm actually impressed with the schedule they got put together. It's a tough one. Um, I think I saw somewhere that it's already been ranked like the 15th something Number hardest. 16, according to Tom Fornelli from 16th CBS hardest schedule in college football. This BYU schedule is the one that I wish I could really pick game for game because I want to see how a few teams actually end up this year. Mm-hmm. And we'll learn, about, and I'll talk about those in a second. But on their schedule, I've got maybe four gimmies, Jake, okay. that they should be able to win. And those towards the tail end of the season, I'm, I'm, pay, I'm taking them to beat Toledo pretty easily, Liberty, Idaho State, and UMass. Okay. Um, that game at USF, I know they're not, they weren't amazing last year, but USF was funny last year. They started seven and zero and then yeah. lost their next six. Right. And but they've got you know Charlie Strong is a pretty good coach, regardless of what you think of him when he was at Texas. Yeah. Um, and at San Diego State, like you mentioned in that Utah State, we don't know much of what they're going to be doing. Trying to bounce back. Trying to bounce back, yeah. but of course Boise State. Utah State, mm-hmm. uh, and then, of course, the first four, Utah, Tennessee, USC, Washington. Now, my my inclination is to say they don't win one of those P5 games because that's just a, that's a hard thing. But I would also say that I would guess that they would win at least one because that's what BYU does. They're able to come rise up, and they play these teams close, and they're able to win. So maybe they get one. If they get two, that would be incredible. Mm-hmm. But Utah, Tennessee, USC, Washington, tough way to start. I'm going to put the BYU Cougars at seven wins right now, but I really want to know what USC and Washington are going to look like by week three and four. Because yeah. if you get both those teams at home, and maybe they haven't retooled like people assume they would, and BYU, if they're playing pretty well, I think they could get a couple of those games. Yeah, I. It'll so be it could go from yeah. seven wins, but it could be eight, nine, who knows? Yeah, that that gauntlet though it's tough the advantage you have in that first month those first four games is that three of them are at home yeah three of them are at Lavelle Edwards Stadium this is the home schedule that BYU fans have dreamed of since they went independent you yeah. have three power five teams coming in along with Boise State and I just you look at that and you say okay that's the home schedule we always dreamed of I look at it though. If they come out of those first four games one and three, that's not going to be out of this world. Oh, and four also could be very yeah. well. But two and two, I think would be best case scenario. I'm that's with you just on that. Me. No. So I've got BYU. I'm tagging them about eight wins. Okay. I, I, I'm sitting between a seven and eight, so like seven point five. I'd put the over under at. And if you do that, BYU already announced that they are locked into the Hawaii Bowl this year on Christmas Eve out there at <gasps> Aloha Stadium. I think that this is going to be an interesting year because if BYU can weather the storm of those first four games, the only team that's going to face four Power 5 opponents in their first four games of the season, they could set themselves up pretty good. But the problem is that's four Power 5 opponents in a row, and you've got to be able to hold up week in and week out. And get out healthy. Yes, so that's that's going to be easier said than done. It's an interesting stretch here that BYU only plays two games in the month of October, both of their buys come yeah. in that month. So you're going to have plenty of time to heal up after that run, and you have to play Toledo before you get to that first buy. But this is an opportunity for BYU. You get to eight wins this year. I think a lot of BYU fans are going to be happy with how that team performed. Talon, where you got? 
my head says seven, but my heart says eight. Okay. Like I like I just have this inkling that they're they're gonna pull off. Uh, like rise uh, up and beat a couple. That they're yeah. gonna like I I think it's either Boise State or San Diego State. That's mm-hmm. where I think the game with that if okay. they're gonna get their eighth win, it's gonna be one of those two. Okay. Um, yeah. So so head says seven, but I I I think they're capable of more. And was Tony Parks? We me and him did a segment earlier this week, and I hadn't noticed this. In BYU's first Power Five game of each season, they're in fourteen the last, and four. In the last like two decades, roughly, they're fourteen and four. Yeah, and that, of course, Utah is that first team. That's the first Power Five team. I'm with you. I'm not picking BYU to win that game until they prove they can do it. Yep. So I don't think that's unfair. I mean, you, know, you just I just can't. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't do it. It's like the Patriots. You don't pick against them until they lose. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. I think if we had all three teams, all three of the FBS teams in this state, eight wins for BYU, let's say nine wins for Utah State, and if Utah does win the Pac-12 South, they're sitting at 10 wins, talk about an awesome season, I think, all the way around. It'll be a great season to cover here, and it'll be a lot of fun. All right, coming up on the other side, we'll wrap it up here on the Saturday Show. Got to wrap things up. We're out of time. Got to make way for the movie zone. So I'll be back on the other side with Austin Horton. But for Talon Chapel behind the glass, great job as always. Jake Hatch has been fun. See you guys. We'll see you next Saturday. Have a great Memorial Day weekend here on the Zone Sports Network. <laughs>